I'm Michelle Olivier, and you're listening to Hey, I Want Your Job, the podcast that looks at amazing jobs and what it takes to get them. Welcome to a very exciting and special episode of Hey, I want your job where I have not one, not two, not three, but four people who all have <laughs> way fucking cooler jobs than I do. I'm not going to lie. So let's go around. Amber, what is your job title? So I do videography and public relations and production assistant among a myriad of many different things. Cat so, herding. That's a key yes, word. Yes, Catherine is that. number one on that list. Yes. Vinny, what is your job title? Uh, I'm the co-creator of Big and Funky Productions. Tracy, what's your job title? I am, well, I've got second billing in this movie that is premiering tonight. And so I'm an actress and I I do admin for an attorney, but that doesn't count because we're not doing that right now. And <laughs> Sorry, I overshare. Don't you love it when men in the industry talk over you? We'll get to that yeah, more in a minute. They're mansplaining. Ah! Mm. Charming. So, on that note, Luke, what is your job title? My name is Big Luke. I am the other co co owner of Big and Funky Productions. I am an actor. I am the lead writer. I am a director and cinematographer. Okay. So beautiful. There's a lot of cinematographers, all of that. So what do you all actually do collectively? Big and Funky Productions. Hey, wait, shut up. Big and Funky Productions is a production company that we've produced music videos, movies, a television show called Wrestling with Ghosts, another one called It Happened to Me. And we also do, uh, we're, we're branching into recording not just music videos, but music. We score movies. We, do, we have done commercials. Uh, we do a little bit of everything, but we've really bad. been really in bad. flavor on it. Really bad pro wrestling. Pro wrestling as opposed to the yes. really great pro wrestling. Which well, we, we, is very separate. We got fired from Fox for producing a wrestling show years ago. <laughs> so that's how we started. I did portray I like Fred I got Rogers fired from as Fox is not a bad thing, right? In, yeah. in this day and age. Like that may be a really good thing to actually put on your resume. Like, oh, that, well, we. Wheeling off with it. I, 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 I portrayed uh, Nature Boy Fred Rogers. Nobody cares. As Nobody. It wasn't the right thing. Nobody knows what that means. So, <laughs> we have two creators. So I'm going to start with Vinny, and then Big Luke will be your turn. How in the hell did you manage to get into the position where doing this is how you pay your bills? We are getting to that point we have made money but we're me and luke the reason we talk over everybody not just women but non-binaries and other men is because we're the ones that have lost the most money in this as well <laughs> we talk over pets and foliage and stuff and small children as well but uh we've lost the most money but the money that does come back to us it's, we're going to get paid first but I just got off the phone call today. There's a, and Tracy and Amber don't even know this. I only told Luke, but there's a chance that we have an investor investor for 
computer generated movie, which is our fourth movie coming out. We're doing this in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, which a lot of people may not know, but it's the secret city where they made the bomb that blew up Hiroshima. And uh, so anyway, we're making a movie about that crazy place and people who are out there who love Oak Ridge want to help make the movie. So we'll get to that, but it's been a labor of love because Luke and I met, uh, we were pro wrestlers, still pro wrestlers. We're a little old now for that kind of shenanigans, but we decided we, we made a lot of intricate skits and promos and vignettes for pro wrestling that gave us an opportunity at Fox. We got fired at Fox. We had a podcast that was very successful. I got bored of that podcast and we quit. And at that point we started doing paranormal television and going around doing conventions. And, and that's been a fun, that's been a lot of fun too. But the whole time we're doing like music videos for people and comedy skits. And Luke had the great idea. He wanted to do a movie like, well, actually years ago. And I was like, a movie, God almighty, dude. I'm swamped as it is because I do a lot of the editing and COVID hit. And what I heard from the industry insiders were nobody's making anything. And that's when I was like, tell me that story of the hike. Let's get it rolling. And then Luke was like, all right, let's do it. And this was before we even knew. I knew Tracy and Amber. They were friends of mine before, but that's before they were part of our group, which has now become a, a big kind of thing. And these two women have worked with us a lot, but Luke had a great serious movie called The Hike. We were going to put our third kind of guy in there named Travis to be the love interest for Candy Thompson's character, Robin. He couldn't commit to all the days. So I was put in the lead and I hate being outdoors. I'm from the East Coast. And so it became a comedy because I was bitching the whole time. Luke is correct. I was falling down outside a lot. I was wearing Converse. Uh, basketball sneakers trying to hike the entire movie is me falling down <laughs> I've seen but, it and I that is yeah. not that was not my number one takeaway I'm not gonna lie right. to you like I right. wasn't like you know what this movie is really about is, is this guy's stand up straight that, <laughs> he did edit out quite a bit yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's the advantage of being the editor right that's like, right. you can decide how good you look so, I, love, I love the fact why horror comedy because I love this niche. Do not get me wrong. Like my father flew when I was living in London, my dad flew all the way from California to go see Piranha's uh, Double D with me together in the theater because it's been like Piranha's 2, I believe, is definitely James Cameron's best film ever. Highly underrated. So this is totally my genre, but who the hell is, you know, it sounds like a lot of fun. Let's get blood and guts and smart-ass comments all in the same place. And, and boobs. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have to have boobs. I'll start just real quick, and I'll let Luke finish it, because he's to, to us, it was probably horror, because it's cheap to make horror movies, and we don't have a whole lot of money. And secondly, comedy, because everything we do is funny. Even when we try to do serious shit, it, it, it comes off comedically. And I think that's why a lot of our stuff is comedic. You we, just decide to lean in. Yeah, lean in. I'll let Luke finish that question, but that's a good question. Okay, I was born in 1975. And oh, my giddy We don't have yeah. time for this shit. And as, and as, <laughs> and as a, a, an entirely too young of a man, I remember the first two movies I saw was 
Airplane and Poltergeist. Awesome. And I loved those movies, and I'll still watch those movies constantly. Airplane and Poltergeist. And then, a little bit later, I never thought they'd mix together until I saw a movie called Evil Dead 2. And I fell in love with Sam Raimi. And then not too long later, or too far later, a movie called Clerks came out. That movie changed my life again. So I said, these yeah. are the guys I worship, is, is Sam Raimi and Kevin Smith. And so I, I knew there was a lot of people. See, everybody tries to make movies that everybody will enjoy. And it, but it turned into where horror movies now are like they're watered down, tame teenage movies. We made a horror comedy movie designed for people between 30 to 50 years old. Not for teenagers, not for not to be watered down. And we wanted it to be funny. We wanted it to be gross. We wanted it to be a little sexy. We wanted it to make you think. And when it got serious, we wanted it to get serious. So what is actually like what is the scariest film you've ever seen that truly like terrified you, if any? Ever? What's the scariest film you've ever seen? Spoiler, it's not the hike. The, the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay. Like, number one is, like, my... It, it scared the crap out of me the first time I saw it, and it made me fall in love with 80s slasher films. And so, okay. from there, my love just kind of grew for it. Big Luke? Poltergeist. It's still, still great. The fuck out. I yep. get that. Tracy? There's this movie called darkness i think where these two teenage kids like do everything right but they still end up in hell spoiler alert sorry but it's like a 25 year old movie oh, i was just gonna watch that that movie messed me up and then event horizon too but then i don't like psychological like horror Ooh, movies event horizon's a good call good call i don't like that. event horizon and Vinny, how about you I don't really get scared at movies. I don't want to sound like Billy Badass. I, if you put me on top of a building, I'll be screaming and urinating my pants. But <laughs> I don't really get... Um, like, I'm scared of heights. But I think Exorcist... I, I like when they intertwine religious mythology with horror movies. And I, I like when they get, like, a little bit of Jesus and devil and because there's, like, some history that goes back. And it's, it seems like it's based on something a little bit uh, deeper. And I, I like when it's uh, that kind of stuff. So it, 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 I like just, playing with that type of trope. I have a question of that that we'll go to in a sec, but I do just have to put my own plug. Mine has always been Candyman. Not because of anything that happens on the screen, but it's the premise that if enough wackadoodles believe in some shit, it can come out of a mirror and kill your ass. That Filmed is terrifying about <laughs> as an idea. Filmed Holy about crap. two miles from where I grew up. Oh, so you're from Shy. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I got lost to shit one time in Chicago trying to find Midway and I'm wound sorry. up at those projects. And oh. it was like, nothing was scarier as a college, white college kid in, in that area. But now my question off of that. So you said you like it when there's like some history and ideally some religious undertones or overt content in the hike you use native american mythology is in a day and age where there's a lot of talk about cultural appropriation and i'm just gonna set you up for better success by saying as the native chick on the call did you have somebody 
who was native, who worked as a consultant? Where did you do did work you, or anything to yeah. like? Did you not see our lead actress? She's, ha she's half. But English. I don't make assumptions about people's. Yeah. Well, that's funny. I get, after that movie came out, we've been called racist and shit. And look, first of all, with every this is a line from Luke. Ever since Dances with Wolves came out, everybody's part Native American. It seems like everybody claims that hey, I'm one forty eighth Native American or whatever. But those stories have to be told. And Spearfinger is a story that is real that's not been told. And it's something that we experienced while we were ghost hunting, for, looking for Spearfinger in North Carolina. And where we shot most of the movie, a lot of the movie, was where Spearfinger walked. And on that investigation, we experienced what I believe is something that was either Spearfinger or something that was purporting to be Spearfinger. And even though I'm a white man that lives down in Tennessee now, Spearfinger is part of the boogeyman stuff. It's a bad part. It's a bad guy. It's a bad guy. The Cherokee, the Cherokee killed her. So and it we, was, and it's something that we talk about. So even though, and this is what I think America should be walking towards is native American history is part of my history because we're American and I don't want to steal it, but, and I don't want to profit off of it. But it is because I'm a neighbor and a friend and a fellow countryman of these people. This is her story is part of my story since I'm located nearby and we've been in the woods. Like, Watch out for Spearfinger. And the first person ever told me that was Luke. And I was like, what is Spearfinger? And she told, and Luke told me. And, and then we had the idea of the investigation and the investigation. If anybody doesn't know what Spearfinger is, she's a, she's a, Native American Cherokee rock golem that has a long obsidian finger and she can shape shift. She's like a modern day siren. She can look like your wife or your old grandmother and she'll stab you in the back, and eat your liver. And I think it's a cool story. And I love that it's actually like a Cherokee story, but I got to give a tiny bit of pushback that is, is like, you are too presenting as white dudes who are creating this film and this production company mm -hmm. benefiting off of. Not yet, but we also, Vinny did go into the, uh, the Cherokee cultural center and talk to them about it. We talked to several Cherokee that we know and everything, and, and nobody had a problem with it. It was, the, the weirdest thing is what, what we've noticed and what I've even talked to with one or two of my Cherokee friends and one of my Ojibwe friends from uh, northern uh, Wisconsin, where they have zero problem with it. And it seems like white people are the only ones going, mar, 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 mar. but so the Cherokee, I... are like, Cherokee are like, dude, it's cool. We, Vinny filmed a, another opening with two Cherokee young men for the movie, but they just couldn't act. So they didn't make the, they didn't make the cut, but yeah, there was another opening filmed with two full-blooded Cherokee in the, in it, and so they they loved the idea, they loved it. Uh, everybody I know that is full-blooded or half-blooded Cherokee loved it, loved the idea, loved, didn't mind us using it at all. They looked at it as a different spreading of almost to the point where they are tired of people kissing their ass. And I would and actually that, agree with that. 
as a native, I have no problem with that. Like I said, I really like the film, but beyond that, I do agree that I get sick to death of the noble savage looking off and the single tear runs down and hug all the deers and shit. So like we're either that or we're the bad guy in a Western, never the twain shall meet. Like those are our options. And so I actually thought it was really cool that here's a story that has more nuance than that and like more intrigue. So I didn't have a problem with it either, but I do know that we live in an era of a lot of people jumping at what I think of as kind of cultural shadows. And, and this I, movie isn't for them. And, and, this, <laughs> and, and listen, when people attack Lin-Manuel Miranda for In the Heights, and this is a guy that made everybody in, in a Hamilton an African-American, I just, hey, I get it. I get it. I get it. But we're going to, it's going, this movement of trying to be fair and decent is going to consume itself. Because what's going to happen is I have a heart full of love wanting to make a horror comedy about a bad legend, a Cherokee legend. This person was bad. This was a bad entity that the Cherokee killed off. And we're making a story about it. And if I'm getting a lot of flack from white people who are trying to, that's the thing that kills me is this really left-wing racism where the white people think they need to stand up for another minority. I don't think that if somebody has a problem with that, they probably should be of that ilk native coming at me instead of some person somewhere being like, I don't think you should make a story about that. Because I, I think the movement is going to consume itself because I'm an ally to all minorities. I think we're all, that's my thought. We're all Americans. So if something happens to a black person in this country, that's part of my story too. If something happens to a native or a Mexican American or whatever, a woman, someone who's gay, somebody who's trans, that's all of our story. That's what makes this country wonderful is that we are supposed to appropriate from each other. We came here to become better. And we learned, that's why we're the greatest country on the planet is because we've learned from each other. We've learned how people are successful and, and, and we've taken each other's weaknesses and strengths and we've become friends. And truly, there's not really a lot of places like America in the world where we're all on top of each other from all over the world. And if we open our minds and we open, if we have open dialogue, we're going to become better. Because if I make a friend that's a Sikh, or if I make a friend that's Hindi, or if I make a friend that's from Australia, or my mind and my scope is going to open up more and more. So I think we got to be careful with Back trying to police. Yeah, I think it's a good be, point. Yeah. But I am now going to flip and I'm going to ask the guys to zip it for a second. And I want to get really the difficult. female perspective on something. <laughs> As a now clearly self-confessed horror film major aficionado, one of the things that as a woman drives me freaking nuts is that we basically, if we're in the good guy camp, our only option is the virgin who lives or the slut who dies. And if we're in the bad guy camp, we're either the pathetic wife that was or would-be wife that was left at the altar mourning the loss of some guy or the evil seductress like those are our options 
in general, very broadly in films. And yes, we could probably find examples that would problematize all of that, but by and large, it's a binary. As women making films in this genre, A, how do you feel about that? Do you feel like that is an accurate reflection of what women in horror films wind up getting stuck into? And B, what would you like to see with your production company happen to change all those things? I don't care which of you goes first. Amber, Tracy, your call. You're Tracy. You go ah! for it. Oh. Everybody's pointing at Tracy. You're to my view, everybody's pointing down, and I'm like, okay, what, what's, what's going you, on? You, you, uh, Okay. <laughs> my character in this movie that is premiering tonight is a little bit in that those stereotypes. Bitter, angry, whatever. But I think that the my character in our third movie, Camp Smokey, is going to be completely different and not fit within those stereotypes at all. I like to actively work against stereotypes. That's been, like, lifelong goal. I just do that normally. And probably because I can't remember what the stereotypes are for the most part. I'm just like, I do me. And if it's weird, yay! If it's even weirder and everybody's like, ew, that's weird, that's even better. So, I guess it's a good thing that I'm making movies instead of selling coffee at Starbucks. <laughs> Amber, what is your thought? <laughs> so, I do agree. Like, the, typically, there's, like, the, the bimbo that's over-sexualized or the one that's slashed in, like, the first 10 seconds of the film. I've, always. I did appreciate about Candy's role in the hike is it showed her as a empowered woman who was also a little bit sexy, but not overly sexualized. She took the ma a major lead in the movie. She became that person at the end. I don't want to give any too many spoilers away just because I want people to watch it. But I appreciated that approach with Big and Funky, how they decided to empower the woman in the role versus just trying to give her a black or white spot this is your figure type this is who you need to be and i noticed that with this film and, and how we're casting it in the future films we're not necessarily looking at an ideal person for an ideal body type or an ideal whatever it's you, they're looking for talent and we're trying to basically break the mold and put people into parts and positions that can show a broader uh, range of skill than a blonde bimbo that's killed in the first 10 seconds or the evil seductress. I'm really excited to see how we're moving forward in that direction in our production company. Yeah, strong so, women is definitely a thing with Big and Funky. That, that I, both I would, are, ooh, I like strong women, so it worked I, out. Well, I would say Luke and I are probably feminists. We love women, and I... I would say Tracy's character in this new movie, she's the second lead. I don't think she's, I don't, I've never seen a character like hers in a, in a horror movie ever. She's not dolled up. She made herself kind of homely, but true. she's a strong character. She's the boss of this radio station and she's hard, but you know that there's a lot of pain underneath. So there's a lot mm -hmm. of layers to this character. It's mm -hmm. why is this woman like so- yeah, why is this woman such a hard ass 
So it's not just a chick with boobs or it's not just an evil witch. She's this layered thing that hopefully when they watch WJHC, people will fall in love with her by the end of the movie. And, and instead of being like, well, that's just a, I legitimately, I legitimately cried at the end of her story arc. I, I teared up in, is sitting in my couch right here. I teared up at her story arc. And I filmed it. <laughs> so, then that kind of brings me to you guys. So you're self-proclaimed feminists, right? But you are writing, producing, you're creating these films. So what do you see as your obligation to the industry in terms of moving those needles for women? Is that something you're cognizant of as you're writing and creating, or is it you write and create and wherever, whatever happens? I will tell you that most, a lot of our style comes from our pro wrestling days and we were comedy heels, which is our bad guys. So we are used to our, what we love is to what we call putting other people over. I will take a pin from anybody as long as it's funny, makes sense, or makes them stronger. I feel like I, I do that. We wanted a lot of, we wanted to get a lot more minority uh, representation in our films congruently and also to where it didn't matter. Unfortunately, all the, the some of the, the 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 actors that we booked backed out on us in the last minute. But uh, as far as women go, we don't feel that there should ever be a difference. If you could tell with was watching the hike. We didn't think there should be a strength level, power level difference between Candy and Vinny. We thought that they should be equal partners. And actually, when the filming went on, Candy took the lead as the strongest role. As far as other representation, and it just naturally and congruently, we cut it out of the in the last edit just for time, but me and Travis were a couple. If that, that didn't come across in the movie, but it was cut out, but me and Travis were a gay couple. And we were out searching for, for my daughter from a previous. In this next movie, there's a couple more representations like that, but it's also in the next movie, Camp Smokey, there's going to be, it's a throwback to 80s slasher movies with a huge twist in it. So there's going mm -hmm. to be some salaciousness. But there's right. also going to be the strongest female character I've ever wrote, and that will be Tracy. It, it is going to lampoon some stereotypes, but that's just yeah. because that's what you do with horror movies sometimes. You make fun of the genre itself. Mm -hmm. But with this movie that we're coming out with now, and it should be out on Amazon here in a couple of weeks, WJHCAM, maybe a month or so. It was very hard because this, the, the station is about a Southern Gospel station in the South, which is probably the most white place you could have uh, a movie about <laughs> and we were dying to try to figure out how can we get people of color because me and Luke really care about organically putting people of color and, and people of, of different sexualities in the movies because I, I think and I think Luke thinks the same way I think representation matters I think people kids need to watch a movie and have something they can identify with instead mm -hmm. of a bunch of people I, that are white I guys. think I think forcing representation is racist. I think congruently allowing for representation and like when I write, I think of a person as his care. I think of a person. I was like, this guy right. is perfect for this role. 
I will say that there is a surprise character in this coming movie that was the perfect person to play this character. And he's a person of color. And he is the perfect person to play that character. And it, and it could have been anybody. So I, can I question, stroke, problematize that just a bit and say the counter argument to that would be as a white dude writing, your lens on the world is innately informed by being a white dude. So you are more likely to I grew up on the south side of in. I, I grew up on the south side of Chicago. I was the minority. All right. <laughs> I, I, I am. I am. I, I, I'm we can well only represented with friends and family. <laughs> we can only we can only write from our histories, and I can't apologize for what I am. I didn't choose it. And oh, no, and, I don't need to apologize. But when we talk about this whole forced inclusion thing, I think that it seems to imply that it that sometimes I think people need a nudge. Right? Uh, yeah, sometimes let me, let me... people need help being like, "Hey, dude, your film is really freaking white." How about finding somebody not white? Well, like, but I visioned this person as a young white man. It's like, of course you did, because you thought about you when you were writing the, it. And you well, let me give you let me give you thirty seconds of background on why I, I feel the, the rep forced representation. What I'm talking about, I am part of a the group uh, group that gets I get all the commercials, all the TV roles. Every single audition is sent to me. And every role that is sent to me is gay. So that's forced representation. I'll play a gay character. I've done it before. I'll do it again. I don't care. But it's every role. When I start seeing that, I'm like, you guys are overcompensating here. Let it go naturally. I was like, "There's this is a commercial for, I'm reading for a commercial for that the character doesn't have to, the, the word gay doesn't have to come in for it because it's a, th a three-second blurb of a guy going, hey, why does that have to be a gay guy going, hey? So it's And what does that of, mean? What does a gay yeah. guy say, hey, what do you yeah. want him to sound like? That's the yeah. weird thing. But no, I said, my writing is, like I said, I grew up, I grew up on the south side of Chicago with, like I said, I, I was one of the few white kids in my area. I very ingrained my, my friendship, my lifelong friends, family members, I know I'm just a white guy looking at it from this point of view, but I've got a lot of experience and a lot of history. And well, when I write, I don't write care. I, I, most of the stuff I try to write is semi-autobiographical, but I think it needs to have more color involved in it. You know, I, I, I think, Amber's been I, trying to say something, so I'm oh, going to go interrupt and give Amber <laughs> some space here. So, no, like my perspective of forced representation is like in almost every horror movie I watch there is a typecasted black character that is always killed off in the first 30 minutes of a movie and every time you okay they've got their obligatory color person of color but they're going to kill them off and so that to me is more insulting to people of color yes. than writing a, a character right that person then walks in, okay, you're perfect for this role. And this person lasts to the end of the movie. But no, we have to have this many black people, this many gay people. And as long as we plug them in, Thank you. then we're good. And to me, it, that would, that's the insulting part of it. It's like with The Walking Dead, 
when they have two black guys on the show, you're like, well, one of them's going to get killed off. Because it's like they, they only have space. Or for, one of them saved like, Chappelle. And, you know, I think these days, <laughs> she had been, right? Yeah. Well, it's like, I, like, that's not good. This movie, that me and Luke had a conversation, the one that we're just releasing. We need more people of color. And I'm proud to say that in a movie about a Southern gospel radio station, the first two out of three people you see on screen are people of color. And that's about the best we could do with this subject matter. Now, when we write other things about other cities and uh, bigger towns and things that would make sense, I, I think the thing that you have to watch out for, Luke and I try. We try to be a good guy, but we're not going to try to be, we're not going to force stuff. The thing that you have to watch out for is they just came out, they just said, if a, there's not a person of color in the next four or five years in a movie, the, the movie's not going to be el uh, eligible for an Oscar. If you look at a movie like 1917, which was awesome, and it was about World War II in a place there were no black people, that movie wouldn't be eligible for an Oscar. I think there needs to be more movies that are serious and have a lot of different people, black, gay, everything else, all the different tropes, uh, and even Native Americans, for crying out loud, because there's not enough stories about Native Americans. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, I think that needs to come naturally and it needs to be a conversation, but I think we have to watch going the other way where just because, you know, what I was born as, I'm just who I am. I was born in the projects of Baltimore, you know, I'm white chocolate man. I, I grew up a certain <laughs> way. There's different well, ways that, that I look at the world than, than a regular white guy would look at it. But and again, I'm, not, I'm not saying that I'm anything else. But I am a little, I do, I'm a, I got my foot in the door a little bit. There is, there is also. has been speaking oh. volumes, but her mouth has said nothing. So I would love to get some of the dialogue that goes with the expressions that I have been seeing. Tracy, <laughs> way. My face just does things and I, I yeah. I, I, <laughs> it seems like a potential I, liability as an actress. I'm not going to lie. Like I have no control <laughs> of my face. It just does the things. So, <laughs> It actually works out quite well because I just put my emotions and my consciousness into the Great. experiences of the character. Like I imagine their whole life and then what would my face do if I had lived their life? So it works. I'll tell you, she hasn't seen the movie. The one that's coming out tonight that we're going to premiere here in three hours. He let Tracy, other people watch it ahead of time, and he wouldn't Tracy, let me. And I'm I like, let, dude, I, let, I got ADHD. I need to watch I it. I need to watch it, but I'm not like freaking out. But no, I let, I let Luke watch it because he's the director of the movie. Tracy kills Candy. it. Candy's also part of the. But anyway, we'll talk about that later. But anyway, uh -huh. <laughs> you absolutely kill. Uh, got to let that go. I know. But uh, <laughs> I'm trying to give you a compliment here. I know. Your first acting job. Oh, is this your first acting job? Her My first, first acting. I, I've, hey. I've been on stage a couple times, but like That's 20 fantastic. years ago. That's fantastic. First Thanks. acting job. Let me tell you something about her. That was the only role that I can't, that we did. See, me and Luke for people that we know that can come in and do stuff cheap. And <laughs> this was the only role in the movie I didn't know who could play this person. So we had people from Mississippi and Arkansas and in middle Tennessee try out for this role. There was over 15 actresses and some of them were fantastic. And my wife said, 
give Tracy that opportunity. And I was like, I don't know. Really? She just let her have the shot. So I gave her the words. She did the thing. She did the roles. And she did she did all the parts. And I was like, she's my friend. I wonder if I think it's good. And so I went back to a couple other people. Girl from Mississippi was great. Freaking great. And I was like, oh, she's good too. And then it was a girl out of Nashville. And that girl from Nashville was a little too young. But overall, Tracy killed it. And then when it came time to film and edit and create this thing, this role was based on a real person. And when I'm looking at Tracy, and, and Tracy didn't know this person, I'm looking at this person. And it blows me. It, it's weird. It's like a time machine going back 25 years. This person's dead. And I'm like, I, I can't, it's just a, if this movie gets seen by a lot of people, there will be memes of this character. It is just, she is a mood. Nancy wow. is a <laughs> mood. Now I'm really excited. Yeah, it, That's, that's actually the best way to put it. Uh, Nancy is a mood. She's all a mood. to her own. All to her own. So yeah. let's look at all this from a different perspective. So we talked a lot about the creative content and all of that. Let's talk about this from a um, business perspective. There's been a lot of talk about the effect that the pandemic has had on the film and whether or not cinemas are ever going to come back. And if they do, what the hell is that going to look like? And as you pointed out, there's been a rise in some way of independent films. My best friend happens to be a screener for both South by and Sundance. And she says that a lot of independent films, but maybe not a lot of great ones. And so what do you think from a business perspective, where is the, the market right now from where you're seeing? And is it open season? If you've got any kind of skills and shops, go for it. You can make some money or what is your thought? I would I say. I think that's, for one, Spider-Man reopened the movie theaters. Yes. Uh, Spider-Man, they're, they're reopened. Like, we couldn't even get booked into this theater until midnight on a Tuesday because of Spider-Man. But I think what the business is going to evolve into is they're realizing that people aren't going to go to a movie, to the theaters, to see a movie that sucks. And people pretty much know before the movie opens if it sucks or not. So what this is going to do is this is going to help people like hopefully us and other people that are storytellers, not just movie makers. We, I think that that's the future of, and, and it's going to be, I think there's going to be more Blair Witch Project, more Clerks, more $20,000 movies that make $20 million because you have better storytellers or better ideas. So there's not a great story to Blair Witch, but it was a great idea. Yeah. And Clerks, not a great overall, put it in a cinematic box, and it, it's a crap movie. But it's a great movie. I think that people are going to realize, like I'm, as I've said before, you don't have to be a professional songwriter to write a great song. So just uh, so you know, and, the Kevin Smith thing is like a religious argument in my household. My husband loves Kevin Smith. He yeah. has seen... He went to see Yoga Hosers in the freaking theater. He's that guy, right? If Kevin Smith did it, my husband is freaking there. So he's the I, one. I am the girl that likes chasing Amy. 
and that's about it. Like, well, it's, I am, it's again, it's you get it or you don't. It's, it's with Kevin Smith, you get it or you don't. You it's know? not that and, I don't and, get it. It's just that it's not funny. <laughs> right. In my world. I'm hit and miss with Kevin Smith. Clerks, Mall Rats, Chase. It seems like it's a downward. It's M. Night Shyamalan. It came out with like Sixth Sense, Unbreakable. And it's like it kept getting worse as it went. So, yeah, I, nowadays with Kevin Smith, people are like, you need to see this. I'm like, yeah. I like him, though. I like him as a guy. But I, I, I don't – I'll be honest with you, man. I'm old. I'm 47 years old. I have no idea where the business is turning. We're trying everything from four-walling cinemas to going to conventions to try to build – like w- me and Luke basically said, we're going to make six movies about the Smoky Mountains. And they're either going to be horror comedies or horror or comedy or whatever – combination and we'll just do them as cheap as we can and hopefully we will build a following and we have a nice distributor who's an honest guy and he's basically saying we he goes you've got a lot of talent there because the big and funky umbrella is not just me luke and amber and tracy there's we have drag queens we have comedians we have magicians musicians pro wrestlers all the greatest horror host in america hack from hacks horror yeah, show is part absolutely. of absolutely so we've got all this talent and so what is valuable is not just luke's ideas or my ideas but the entire group as a whole and we're a family we argue with each other we get angry i have had to send flowers to tracy's mother after podcast <laughs> tracy will put it she'll have we do a podcast every week there's been several of her guests that have, have left and had to take Xanax because I've given them a panic attack. But because me and Luke are bad guy wrestlers, but the, the whole thing is we're hoping that somebody looks at what we produce for five or $10,000 and goes, well, if we give these guys a million dollars or $500,000 for a movie, this may be something. The goal for us is just for to, to all be our full-time job because I think Luke is an excellent storyteller. I think I have some really good ideas too. And these other ladies who they have came on in this, they had nothing to do with the hike. They came on with WJHCAM and they've been a valuable asset. And, and you have to be a jack of all trades. And, and they are, they can hold the camera. They have ideas. They can write lines for the actors. They can act themselves. They can promote Amber's in the PR and Tracy's the producer of the podcast. So, you can't be a one-trick uh, pony, really. And and we have a bunch of really badass people on our team. That's what I'm excited about. I can't wait for them to see this movie tonight. They're going to blow. They're going to be. They're going to blow themselves away, watching themselves on screen. They're going to be so impressed. So I've got a question for Tracy. Then on that note, you talked. Oh, you just talked about all of the ways that cinema is changing, and that it may or may not be on the big screen. As an actress, this is your first feature right there's Mm -hmm. big actressy dreams right who hasn't practiced that oscars acceptance speech in the mirror of the bathroom at least once so what is for you knowing that cinema knowing that film is changing how does that impact where you want to go as an actress and where you see all of this taking you a little bit of background about me my my husband has brain injuries 
and not a lot of people actually understand what brain injuries look like and how they present in a person in a, in a relationship. And I'm actually writing a screenplay about that. And I'm hoping to like my, my, where I hope to go is I hope to get my screenplay in front of Sam Hewen because I want him to, to headline that, that, that. Don't shake your head at me, Vinny. I know. Why Sam in the sky? Because he's got like the acting range to where he can do oh, like you want the whole thing. Okay. I, I like, want him anybody. But no, Sam I want him to act. so weird. No, it's funny when we talk in private, but when you go out and say Sam Hewen, okay, I just I, we bust the our balls. Bullying, okay. bullying is not a good look for a grown-up or a child. The idea, so writing screenplay with a target in mind, yeah. which yes. to be fair to her, Vinny, is exactly what Big Luke just said that he does. So I feel like you're in a big glass house on that one, my friend. Well, no, he made, he's made fun of me for eight years. He's only had a year to make fun of Tracy. So we, there's some catching <laughs> up. You don't know want to pitch it to Sam Ewan. Only but, Sam Ewan. So Tracy, you as an actress, like focusing on that, not all yeah, the other dreams, sorry. not all the other hats. Yeah. Focusing on you as an actress, where do you want all this to go? Do you want to be on the big screen? Do you want to be headlining, red carpet, all of that? Do you want to be the cast of Blair Witch that walks out and everybody loses their shit because they thought they were dead? What's the hope? I'm just going to ride this pony for as long as it'll take me and as, as far as it'll go. And it, I might even name the the horse as I go through the desert. I don't know. Like, I'm just going to go with it. Oh, the, the, the horse's name was Fred. Can I say something about Tracy? Sure. God. No. Okay. Um, I think after watching this, after watching this movie, and we've been prepping a little bit for the next movie, I think that Tracy can be probably a premier character actor in major motion pictures. And she could also be a sitcom legend. Like it, you could put her on the office. You could put it, her. You could put her on on Seinfeld. You could put her on on the greats, and she'd do just fine. Michelle, I got to tell you, what's so fun for me right now is she does not know. The only two people that know are me and Luke, and our other partner in Tabor City, North Carolina. Candy watched the movie because I needed her advice and stuff. There's only three people who watch this movie. She does not know what she has created, and hopefully we edited it and made a good story. If we sucked, I'm sorry, but Tracy's performance in this is special. And I, I'm not trying to oversell it, but I'm blown away. I, I'm happy because she's not in a good place and we're doing a horror comedy about an event that didn't happen. Tracy Tisdale or Tracy Yaste kicked ass tonight or in this movie, and I can't wait for her to see it. And she needs a win in her personal life, and I think this is definitely a big win. Yeah, I, th I, 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 I'm, I'm like want to watch. I want to see her face when because people, I do. I, the pe people that aren't watching, people won't be able to watch this until after the premiere of this podcast. I don't think, but they, they're going to watch this and go, "Oh my God, Tracy didn't see it yet." Because uh, she is so good. And I can't help, also help but put over Travis 
who isn't ever here. He his character in the movie. Every time he shows up, I if I I, I make sure I'm like not drinking because he's it's, he's a spit take. Every time you see him, he's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This movie was big for us because we went from having about 14 actors with the hike and really just five to having a hundred actors in this new movie. And, but what me and Luke are just ecstatic about is everybody killed it. All of our friends and people that we hired and people, strangers and actors, professional actors, they came in and kicked ass. I, I, I can't believe how funny this movie is. This may be, I don't know. I'm not going to say that because I made the damn thing. But it's it's one of the funnier movies, man. All right. I've said and, it time. And Danny Whitston wants me to let you guys know that he's going to be at the premiere tonight. Oh, good. He told me he wasn't. Anyway. Let's yes, go. he's the he's a right. very famous comedian that's in the movie. So. so we've heard all about how fabulous Tracy is at length, which I think is great. And we've heard all about how fabulous the film is at length, which is great. Oh. Amber. Is great. You have the job of making sure that everybody, not just these two guys, knows how fabulous the film is. Hashtag no pressure. Right. Um, so talk to us. Talk to me a little bit about what that looks like. Like, how do you promote this film in 2021? And, and what is that? What does it look like? So it's definitely different because I've been in promotions and I've done a lot of PR work for other places and this time is a totally different pony, but it is literally just hustling. It's emailing every news station, newspaper, radio station, getting into podcast groups, continuously putting, putting yourself out there, making yourself sellable, make, you look, make yourself look interesting, like our product looked interesting to draw people in. So it's just a constant, like the wheel is always going, there's no stopping. So, and so do you think, because one of the things I think that has happened as a result of the pandemic, even more so, is that like, we're already in a place where we're starting to get a backlash against social media, right? Like we've all seen those Black Mirror episodes. We all identified with those black mirror episodes yeah um, <laughs> and then like 2020 hit and we went oh my jesus if i have to look at another goddamn zoom meeting like i'm gonna lose my mind so there's all of that happening at once and yet at the same time i'll be damned if i know how to promote anything without social media is that a reality is it just you just have to bite the bullet and assume that social media is your life if you want to promote something right now is there a separate secret path that people don't know What's your thought? So I do think that social media is still one of the biggest platforms for promotion because you're going to get it in front of the most audience. <laughs> and the more original content in your posts, the more the better the algorithms are going to pick you up and put you in front of people. So I'm my really goal, whenever I, I try to do original content or create photos, like something that's original and put it out there. But... I've also realized since the pandemic, you have to step outside of that and think outside the box, which is where it's like almost like going old school. You're going like door to door, but which I'm just emailing every single person I can get a hold of. And then a follow-up and then another follow-up within like a certain amount of days, just so I keep us in front of them. And then they're like, oh, wait, maybe we should check them out. They're pretty persistent let's check them out or they're persistent. I'm not going to, I'm going to delete them or block them. I don't really know what happens, but 
using all, utilizing all of the avenues, not just social media, because social media definitely is huge, but there are other ways to get your name out there for sure. Is there one platform that you have found that has the best ROI for this for you guys, or is it a multi-platform approach that works best? What are you finding? So we do, no, so we do use Instagram and Facebook. (laughs) We have, I think we do have a TikTok maybe, but I'm too old to figure out TikTok. So (laughs) I'm not that cool, but Facebook seems to be where we're getting the most traction between that and YouTube. So whenever we do our podcast live, we're also live on Facebook, on Vinny's page, and I think also on the Big and Funky page. We're trying to blast it out at one time between YouTube and Facebook to try to get as many eyes on us as possible. The one thing, if I could jump in real quick, because before she took over, I was in charge of it, is one method behind our madness me and luke are about edifying people our friends mm-hmm. we want it, we want what i would like to happen after the check clears haha is i would like everybody to supersede me and luke and go do awesome shit outside of us that's what i would like to do i would like to build the people up and where they don't they pretend like they don't know us at the red when we're sitting there at the oscars going hey let us in and they're like i don't know you i would like that to happen i would like to ever see that before fr- in my life yeah, I would like. I would like. Oh, that's a guy from Tennessee. Don't let him in here. He'll, he'll. He's, he's really diseases. dodgy. I would check him for guns and drugs. But <laughs> but what we're using Press now wrestling. is the fact that some of us have followings with wrestling. Some of us are magicians. Some of us are drag queens. Some of us are this, that, and the other. And hopefully, our fan bases. Some of us, multiple of us, have little tiny TV shows, and hopefully, that will scoop in the attention for these projects. And so it's. Instead of me and Luke going, please watch our movie. It's a force field of people. And and then it's like, man, this is actually going crazy. But again, social media sucks because I got people to this day. I've been wrestling for over 15 years and people are going, you're a wrestler? And I'm like, dude, I post the matches online. What are you talking about? So there's got to be something somewhere in between the cracks. Nobody's watching television anymore. It's a real <laughs> funny time. Nobody listens to the radio anymore. So finding uh, print media is dead. Just trying to get the name out there is, is yeah. tough. She's got to work that out. Historically with independent films, what a piece of conventional wisdom was you need to get it into one of the big festivals. Like you get it into Sundance, everything's good. My, my friend that is a screener, just so you know, does documentaries. She's not your people. <laughs> I have no hookup for you. But right. <laughs> But that historically, that was the wisdom, right? That if you have a great film, you get it in to one of the big shows, you get into South by, you get it into Sundance, you get it into whatever. And then that's your watershed moment. Is that still the the thinking or like, are those things still part of it? COVID has has jacked up uh, film festival uh, stuff. And a lot of stuff is online now. So if I'm on, if, if we get accepted, the hike has done very well with film festivals, but if the film festival is an online event, nobody's watching it. It's just a name on it. So even now festivals to some degree have been affected negatively and there's not a lot of great film festival for horror comedies or so it's Luke has written a story. It's the sixth story that is a serious, but I think, 
this could be a big budget movie with people that that's what we're waiting for is to create this, to have enough money and investment to create this sixth movie. And that's the one because he's been told by people that have signed the ADR and read this treatment that this is one of the most unique, unique ideas for, for an undead movie that has ever come out. And, uh, that's the one we're waiting for to be like, okay, let's push this one into Sundance. We'll do this one, go to the Smoky Mountain or the Knoxville Film Festival or something like this, or somewhere over in Ubekistan or whatever. These horror comedies can do well in these things. But uh, his last, or the last movie, the six, I think is going to be the home run uh, shot to break out into getting people going, oh, this is something else. Yeah, because we're like huge, and we're huge in India. I, I don't understand it. Well, and, huge uh, we in Gabon, are, Africa, too. Gabon, Africa, and India. We have, yep. I mean, they actually took the hike, illegally downloaded it, put Hindi subtitles on it. It's got, you can't even count how many downloads it has. It has so many seeds and leeches and all this stuff. I'm like, I have a feeling that we're going to go over to, to Gabon, Africa one day, and there's going to be a, like a billboard of Travis in a dress holding a Pepsi. You know, <laughs> and it's. <laughs> I hope Tracy, so. you look like you had something you wanted to say about the whole film festival thing. The film festivals are definitely a goal. And I also wanted to say your friend who's a screener, as she knows the people who are screeners. Ooh, there you go, Tracy. I like that. I like that, Tracy. Network. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll crochet you a hat. <laughs> no other. Michelle. What we've always prided ourselves on, and this has been our since day one with pro wrestling all the way through the paranormal show to everything, is asset management. If, if you look around a room, if, if somebody says, all right, Luke, you're in your room, make a movie, I could do it with just the things in my room. And then you go outside your room and say, wait a minute, I got this. Wait a minute, there's a, a lawnmower. Wait a minute, I got a shed. Wait a minute, I got a dog. Wait a minute. And you, you, instead of writing around what you need you write around what you have and that when you do that then you start realizing women i have friends and these friends have friends and these people have this guy has a fan following because we do we run in d-list f-less circles right. uh, independent pro wrestler <laughs> comedians one the of my one drag of, queens yeah uh, we, we, candidates I feel like Jenny is very focused on drag queens this evening. <laughs> he loves drag queens. On behalf of drag queens ever, well, I will tell you that Vinny and Luke are not good role models for drag queens. Your shaving game is not no. nearly. I will tell you that Demetria, Demetria looks great in this movie. Um, but no, what I'm saying is we are, the people we make movies for are not squares. They're not stiffs. They're, they are. <laughs> people that are outside of the box, people that are, are a lot of fun. And we know those people. I know some, we know some B-list celebrities that are into our, in our genre. We, we're making people, we're making movies for our niche so they can spread the word around to the people they know, to they know. And that's how I think that these movies are going to get seen more. The hike's got a lot of views on Amazon. And I, I don't know as many people as watched that I was definitely one of them. My husband has now been one of them and all of our friends because we, yes, we, like I said, we are all of our friends. It's exactly what you're saying. We're all the horror comedy aficionado types. There's one that they had loved before that was something 
Oh, it's called. It's about a tire. It's a French rubber. Rubber is the worst, but they it love rubber. They so like it's the hike to rubber. So there you go. Yes, yes, that's the yes, now, now, yes. Somebody, now, if one person somewhere would be like, the hike is the new Manos Hands of Fate, we're going to be in it. I, that, that would be so <laughs> <laughs> all right we are out of time all of the links to everything will be in the show notes so everybody will be able to find all of your fabulousness and normally i say something like what's one last thing to say but i know if i said that to you we'd be here another 30 minutes you would <laughs> and we've got a premiere to get to in pigeon Indeed, and i don't want to keep anybody from their premiere so thank you thank you thank you so much for being here i really appreciate it this was phenomenally entertaining so thanks guys Thank you for having us. Right. Thank, Thank you. you. The Hike on Amazon Prime. Absolutely. She's going to do it. She said she's going to do it. You've been listening to Hey, I Want Your Job. For more information on how you can get your own awesome job, visit ONH Consulting at www.onhconsulting.com. We offer incredible resumes, no-nonsense career advice, and real-world tips for landing a job in today's market. Check us out on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Insta for more insider information. Soon, you'll be hearing us say, I'm Michelle Olivier, and hey, I want your job. <laughs>